0: So it's the holidays, and we need to give our valued team members and staff some time away from sitting at their computers and editing audio. So in case you missed a Tech You Should Know podcast, we're grabbing some of our finest podcasts of the year, and I think you're going to love it. We'll be back soon with a brand new podcast for you. But meanwhile, Happy Thanksgiving and Happy Holidays and Merry Christmas from all of us at commando.com. And enjoy this show from Tech You Should Know archives. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, I'm gonna be a star. Maybe you can drive my car. And maybe I
0: love you. I love cars. If you're a longtime listener, you know this. I've loved cars ever since, well, I started playing with Hot Wheels as a kid. Now, the faster, the sleeker, the better. And when Ian was learning his ABCs, he would walk around the studio parking lot with his teacher. You see, rather than sending him to daycare, I built a one-room schoolhouse in the studios for him, and then I hired a full-time teacher. I totally loved being able to see him all day long while I was working. Anyway, he would walk around saying his ABCs in the parking lot. A is for Audi, B is for Buick, C is for Chevy, D is for Dodge. And when there was a letter with no car brand associated with it, he would put that letter in a sentence, like, E is for every car has four wheels. He was so cute. Now that he's older, we go test drive cars together just for fun. And a few summers ago, we rented a car in Milan and drove through Switzerland and then into Germany, where the highlight was going over 200 miles per hour on the Autobahn. It probably wasn't a good parenting moment, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. So cars are a big part of my life. I just love opening up a car driving down the highway. You've got the wind in your hair when you're driving down a long stretch of open road you feel totally free, and cars are such a big part of our American culture. Just think of Route 66 and all the classic car memorabilia out there. Man, was I was a little girl, there were so many songs on the radio, and it seemed like they were all about cars.
1: She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my four.
0: So we're dedicating a whole podcast to cars. More specifically, we're going to be talking about self-driving cars. Did you know that Google spent the past 10 years developing driverless vehicles? So by definition, you need to know this. A self-driving car can automatically steer, accelerate, brake, and avoid obstructions. It requires little to no driver interaction. They've been on the road for uh, about the last two years. I'm sure you've seen the headlines. Sometimes the news is good but oftentimes it's actually really bad. In 2018, a woman here in Arizona lost her life to one of these cars. But what exactly is an automated vehicle and how safe are they? I mean, truly, really? Well, we're gonna clear up those questions. We're also going to sit down with an expert on the topic. She spends every day driving these cars and she knows all about the systems that you'll find in self-driving cars.
2: So that's why it's so important for manufacturers to make these systems standard equipment on their vehicles because we hear about consumers all the time going into dealerships and they ask for something, they're there, they want the safety technology, people really want this stuff. They, they go in there, they ask for it and there is a lot of confusion with salespeople, with some of the dealers and what the technology is, what it does.
0: That's just a small preview of what we're going to be speaking about later on. And like she said, there's a lot of confusion around this technology. But don't worry, I'm here to break it all down. There's a lot to unpack about self-driving cars. So hop in, get aboard. We're going to pop open the trunk on automated vehicles. And by the end of this podcast, you're going to get a detailed rundown on this extraordinary technology. So buckle in and stay tuned to Tech You Should Know. Picture this. You're walking home from a party late at night. The world is draped in this curtain of darkness. And when you squint up at the sky, you see a few faint, glimmering stars. There's not a soul nearby. This will be a long and lonely walk. You look down at your phone to call an Uber or Lyft. It's completely dead. All of a sudden, you hear a car just whiz right by. You then stick your thumb out. Okay, for this example, just pretend that it's a safe world you can hitchhike and some whack job isn't going to pick you up. So ever so slowly, the car gets closer to you, your heart flutters with hope. You try to make eye contact with the driver, but the windows are tinted too dark. You squint, trying to find some human shape in the windshield. The car gets closer and your heart drops, there's no one in the car. It just zooms right past you. It's like a ghost was driving the car. Sounds like an episode of Black Mirror, doesn't it? But we're living in an incredible time of new technology. Things like live translation devices and brain chips are being worked on. Heck, they've already been demonstrated in live tech shows. But they're still pretty far in the future. You know what's not far off, though? Self-driving cars. That's right. That story I described earlier is feasible. You might be in a situation where if yours only, instead of your thumb, you'll be using an app to summon a car to take you from point A to point B. After all, people are already going on road trips with self-driving cars. I just saw a video of a man driving 4,000 miles without ever once touching the wheel or the brakes. Wow. I mean, basically, whether we like it or not, self-driving cars are the future of transportation. In less than a decade, our cars could become our personal chauffeurs, And that means you can kick back, you can text, play games, read, or even get some work done during your commute. It sounds super convenient, but there's always a catch. Actually, make that a ton of catches. There are a lot of security concerns. Later on, I'm going to tell you a really scary story about how a driver's car got hacked and took him off course. But right now, let's talk about what you really need to know about self-driving cars. Let's start at the beginning, how they work, if they're safe. Whether or not these high-tech cars are worth the equally high price tags, yeah, they're very expensive. And by the end of this episode, you're going to know everything that there is out there about this incredible technology. But I'm not here just to lecture you. I've got the help of Kelly Funkhauser, who works with Consumer Reports. She's their head of connected and automated vehicles, and she also works as their program manager for vehicle interface testing. Basically, Kelly lives and breathes self-driving cars so kelly let's start at the beginning let's talk about your job what does a typical workday really look like
2: that is a great question it varies a lot i'm um, so typically what i do is i come to my playground which is my test track in connecticut and it's 327 years, and we have about 80 or so different test vehicles on the lot on any given day
0: That's amazing. You've got 327 acres of driving space. So what do you do with all these cars and all this space?
2: So I do all of the kind of tech evaluations. So I look at the usability of all of the infotainment systems and the controls and the displays inside the car, as well as assess the automated driving and driver assist systems to kind of play with all the cars all day, every day.
0: (laughs) I have to tell you, Kelly, if I didn't make it as a national radio talk show host, it sounds like a dream job come true. If I had that much room to play with with my cars... Well, I'm not sure how much work I would actually get done. So I imagine that to get a gig like this and to really enjoy it, you've got to be a huge car person, right?
2: You know what? I tell everyone that I am the only non-car person here, but that hopefully they can appreciate having a normal person uh tell them about cars, too, because everyone here is definitely the car engineer geek, and uh so they, they think about cars in a much different way than I do. So, no, I'm not necessarily a car geek, although I'm learning to love a lot about cars.
0: You know, Kelly, it actually makes sense. You're bringing the everyday driver's perspective, and not everyone looking to buy a self-driving car is guaranteed to be a tech whiz. So you're making sure to test these cars out from, say, a normal driver's perspective.
2: I would say, yeah, I, they all kind of look at cars as a fun toy and how they can take it to the limit and how they can play with the car in a, in a fun way. And I look at cars more like they're a tool and how the general population is probably going to be using them, considering not everyone in the general population are, are car geeks or racers or pro drivers either.
0: That makes sense. It's always good for a team to have those diverse perspectives. I mean, it's how you stay in touch with your consumer base, your customers. Sure, there are techies like me who get super excited learning about the way that these cars work. But it's important to make sure you don't get so technical that regular folks get left out. So, Kelly, you spent a lot of time with automated vehicles. Exactly how much time do you spend, say, inside self-driving cars?
2: So the interesting thing, and I'm trying to bring awareness to this now, is that almost every car brand that you can purchase in um, the U.S. right now, you can get the building blocks of automated or self-driving cars. So I was just in a Toyota Corolla, and it has a lane-keeping system and adaptive cruise control. And a lot of people think of as kind of the the fundamental pieces that go into automated and self-driving cars is the ability to have the car keep itself inside the lane lines and to automate and control the speed. So um, I spend all of my time in consumer available vehicles, but it's surprising how many of these vehicles actually come with some of these capabilities.
0: That's great to keep in mind. When we think of automated cars, your mind immediately goes to the final product, you know, the fully self-driving car, the ideal that we're all working towards. But there are cars that you can buy now that have certain features that count as automated. Okay, if you're confused, don't worry. We're going to get into a lot more details about futures later on. But for now, let's just talk about the building blocks. Kelly, you mentioned that most cars you can buy today have these features. When exactly did this start? Is there a particular year that automated cars suddenly became the norm?
2: Yeah, so I would say kind of the first building block, the adaptive cruise control has been around for a couple of decades for the earliest systems. So I know my neighbor actually has a in the a 2000s car that has adaptive cruise control in it and they they were, you know, few and far between kind of in the luxury brands as most systems kind of roll out they they roll out in the the, the top trim and the more expensive cars before they come down into the the lower price bracket.
0: That makes sense. Automated features on cars have been around for a very long time. You're right.
2: So adaptive cruise control has been around for quite a while now. And it's really the lane keeping systems that are newer. Um, And I would say, yeah, within the past five years, they've really kind of ramped up. So anyone that has, you know, 2015, 2016 car might have the earliest implementations of these features. But for sure, the 2018, 2019, 2020s and newer are really, they're, they're optional on almost every car and come standard on quite a few as well.
0: So did you hear that? If you have a car that was made in the past three years, you might be able to brag to your friends, hey, I've got an automated car. Of course, you do run some risks. For one, they might refuse to drive with you. After all, a lot of people feel really unsafe around this new type of technology, Speaking of that, Kelly, tell me about the first time you stepped foot inside an automated car.
2: So there is quite the spectrum of automated vehicles The ones that consumers can purchase right now that are on a surprising large amount of vehicles don't perform on the same level that some of the driverless vehicles are.
0: So that we get our terms straight, Kelly, describe the difference between automated vehicles and driverless vehicles.
2: The difference is is that the driverless vehicles are so new that they are very restrictive in where and how they operate. And so they're much lower speed, kind of like campus type shuttles. So you don't feel the the risk of going fast or going out of your comfort zone as much as the, the consumer available vehicles.
0: That's a good distinction to know. People can't buy truly driverless vehicles, but they can buy automated vehicles. Don't get confused, because we also have companies like Tesla that claim that their cars are driverless. In reality, you still got to watch the road when you're driving.
2: So, you know, it's some of the well-performing consumer-available vehicles are kind of frightening, but also that's what I live for. That's what I study. And so it's really fascinating to see the technology evolve so rapidly.
0: And there's no denying that technology is evolving at the speed of light. Let's break it down a little bit more. We're dealing with some complex tech here, and because it's so complex, it may be hard to understand just how quickly it's evolved. That's why the Society of Automated Engineers created a system to help people understand this tech better. It classifies automated systems into five levels. Here,
1: take a listen. Business Insider breaks it down. Level one is driver assistance, where the vehicle is able to control steering or braking but not both simultaneously. Level two is partial automation, where the car can assist with both steering and braking simultaneously, but your attention is required on the road at all times. Both Tesla's Autopilot and General Motors' Super Cruise are examples of this. Level three is conditional automation, where certain circumstances allow the car to handle most aspects of driving, and the driver has the ability to temporarily take their eyes off the road. Level four is high automation, where, in the right conditions, the car can take full control, giving the driver a chance to focus on other tasks. And level 5 is full automation. In this hypothetical situation, the car drives you. And there isn't even a steering wheel. We're not quite at level 5
0: yet. Most of the cars you can buy are around level 2 or maybe level 3. There are a lot of misconceptions out there. Many people think that we've already reached level 5. And I'd say this idea comes from marketing. Marketing. Do you remember how I said that Tesla loves to advertise its cars as self-driving? Now, also remember, that's not really 100% true. Sure, their cars have automated systems, but you've got to be awake and alert. You've got to be watching the road. You can't just whip out your phone and start texting or making TikToks. Here's the bottom line. You can buy automated cars, but you can't yet buy fully self-driving cars. And that's because people like Kelly Consumer Reports are vigorously testing them. In fact, there's a whole city devoted to testing these cars. Well, not a city. I mean, technically, it's a mini-city. Here's some more from the University of Michigan's news service. What sounds like science fiction is becoming science fact, a reality at the University of Michigan's Mobility Transformation Center and its unique test facility, M-City, where faculty from across the university's top-ranked departments are partnering with government, and a wide range of industries, drawing on their combined expertise to tackle a broad spectrum of critical issues in engineering, automotive
2: design, computer science, human factors, business, big data, telecommunications, urban planning, policy, safety, insurance, and law.
0: Isn't it interesting to learn just how much they're testing? But it makes sense. This issue has a ton of layers. It's complicated. So you might be wondering, how far away are we from fully self-driving cars? That's a tricky one to answer. We're going to be going into that later on this podcast, and we're also going to dive into what features qualify as automated. You may find out that some of your features are just the stepping stones to fully self-driving cars. So stick around. Don't leave me now. We've got a lot more to talk about with this amazing technology.
1: About three years from now, uh, we're confident we can make a very, com- a, a very compelling $25,000 electric vehicle uh, that's also fully autonomous.
0: No matter what you think of Elon Musk, good or bad, he is totally good at selling ideas. He says that Tesla will come out with an affordable self-driving car within the next three years. Now, it sounds crazy enough, but he also says that it will have a $25,000 price tag. But is that really possible? And how will consumers feel sitting in the back seat of a moving car? Yeah, that's really,
1: really weird, seeing the, side of the steering wheel kind of move on its own like that. Uh, I like the, the, the notice on the steering wheel, too, says, do not touch steering wheel or pedals, the vehicle will pull over, uh, as sort of a warning to anyone that
0: might try to mess with the, uh, the driverless car. That was from a reporter with Verge. He and his family took a self-driving car to a restaurant. What would you think? How would you feel sitting in the back seat while the steering wheel twists and turns without it being touched? I would find it a little unnerving. I have steered away from getting into a totally self-driving car. See what I just did there, get steered away? All right, sorry. Uh, Kelly, we were talking earlier about your experiences testing these cars. You said sometimes it can be frightening, and it is. So tell us about one time you felt scared in a self-driving car.
2: Sure. So probably the first time I was in a car with the lane keeping system, it's it's a little bit frightening when you feel the car applying torque or kind of trying to do the steering with you. And I was definitely hesitant to take my hands off the steering wheel, which, you know, you definitely shouldn't be doing that. You should always be monitoring the system. Tell us a little bit more. I didn't know if it was going to do it well or not. And so it's, it's a little bit jarring to feel that the car is doing the steering. It feels very forward and and advanced, but you you get pretty comfortable with it pretty quick if it does a good job. Okay. You said
0: if it does a good job. I take that to mean that not all cars you've tested were good.
2: And some of them do, and a lot of them don't. So you should always be paying attention because you just never know when the car is going to do a mistake.
0: Right. And speaking of that, let's look into the safety aspect. Obviously, it's a huge concern. I mean, two years ago, one of these cars hit a woman in Phoenix. Here's more from 12 News. More than two years after a self-driving Uber hit and killed a woman in Tempe, the backup driver sitting in the front seat at the time of the crash... Facing a judge.
1: I surrender on a warrant for arrest.
0: A grand jury now charging Rafaela
1: Vasquez with negligent homicide. This was a uh, grand jury warrant. That stems from a March of 2018 incident. Vasquez monitoring one of the futuristic
0: cars slamming into Elaine Herzberg. Killing the 49-year-old as she walked her bike across Mill Avenue south of Curry Road. Herzberg not in a crosswalk. So consumers have a lot of uncertainty around this tech. Now, let's say somebody walked up to you and asked if automated cars are safe. What would your answer be?
2: So the development of self-driving and autonomous vehicles is really kind of pushing the industry forward in the automated and driver assist industries as well. So those are the features that we get On the consumer level cars right and because so many smart people um and and people with a lot of money can invest in research in these technologies and so we're seeing the benefits of that trickle down into the consumer industry and so there are a lot of features that you can get on your car right now that are new and exciting and safety features
0: it's definitely a tough question to answer and that's because it's such a complicated issue i mean sure there are tons of safety features and like you said There's data showing that it can save lives. But obviously, self-driving cars are a work in progress. The tech has a long way to go, and people who are test-driving these cars need to make sure to keep their eyes on the road. It's that simple. Otherwise, they could be charged with neglect homicide. So you might be wondering how this happened. How couldn't the car detect the woman? Well, before we can answer that question, we have to understand how exactly a self-driving car sees... So let's imagine a car is driving down the road. It's a self-driving car. There's no human to detect any obstacles. The car is approaching a patch of road with a deer, a broken tree, and maybe a pothole. What happens next? Here, take a listen from TED-Ed.
1: The car has to detect them, gleaning enough information about their size, shape, and position so that its control algorithms can plot the safest course. With no human at the wheel, the car needs smart eyes, sensors that'll resolve these details, no matter the environment, weather, or how dark it is, all in a split second. That's a tall order, but there's a solution that partners two things, a special kind of laser-based probe called LiDAR and a miniature version of the communications technology that keeps the Internet humming called Integrated Photonics.
0: Obviously, both LiDAR and integrated photonics are complex. These technologies are far from perfect. Ideally, a self-driving car would be able to detect obstacles, including a woman crossing the road. But, you see, we're still in levels two and three. Remember that. We're still trying to fix all the potholes in automated vehicles. And testers have got to work as the car's so-called eyes until that technology is perfect. So, give me your take, Kelly. How could this have happened? What's truly lacking in the technology?
2: So pedestrian detection is a complex issue, whether it's a consumer level vehicle or one of the highly automated vehicles. They're very tricky to detect um, and interpret correctly, as well as be able to project the motion of that person. So even if there's a person standing on a corner, we have this body language where perhaps you're leaning on um, your back foot, which we, as with as humans, can interpret as I'm not about to move, but you could change your center of gravity, and now you're leaning on your forward foot, which may imply that you're about to walk, and a camera that sees a person sees a person and can't necessarily derive the predictive model of, of where that person's going to go as well as we can because we do those same behaviors. And so this is a tricky, tricky problem because we definitely don't want the cars just constantly stopping every time they see a person, that's not a very good car either. We want the cars to be able to accurately predict these things, and it's very difficult.
0: All right, let's move to a more positive note. Tell me about some of the good safety features you can find in automated cars, the ones that are saving lives and the ones that we want to make sure that we have in our next car.
2: We recommend things like automatic emergency braking, blind spot warning, forward collision warning, things like that. Those are safety features that have data out there to show that they're saving lives, reducing crashes, and people generally really like them. But when it comes to some of these more advanced systems that I was just talking about, the adaptive cruise control and lane-keeping systems, we find that a lot of people don't really like these systems and aren't seeking them out.
0: That's because those particular features are a bit harder to get. Let's talk about a specific car in general. Earlier, I mentioned Tesla. Now, they've got a model on the market that advertises itself as having a full self-driving capability. Listen to that again. Full self-driving capability. So it's a name that promises a lot. For background, Tesla's got active driving assistance systems in every car it releases. The first is autopilot. That includes adaptive cruise control, which means the car is aware of the traffic. Ideally, it's supposed to make sure you don't crash into anything. Now, these cars are also supposed to make sure you stay in your lane. It's kind of like an auto steer system. This way, you won't start swerving while you drive. Basically, these cars have so many bells and whistles, it's easy to get starstruck. Let me give you a few examples. These cars come with an auto park system. The cars will automatically parallel park or even perpendicular park your car, It also has traffic light and stop sign control. And of course, there's that smart summon feature. That one sounds amazing. It allows the car to drive right up to you in a parking lot. Now, of course, Kelly, your team tested all these features. Now that the testing's all over, I would like your opinion. Tesla says its cars have fully self-driving capabilities. Do you think the cars really have this title? Did they earn it, or is it just a misnomer?
2: I would say that it's a slightly misleading name and may oversell the keys of those features that are currently on the Tesla. I think that the building blocks are there of all of these features towards a self-driving future, but they're definitely not there yet. Seems as though some of these features right now are just so much in the preliminary stages of testing that they are definitely not safety features and may even cause more confusion or distraction than help. Drivers at this point.
0: And your team analyzed each and every one of the car's features. I read your article over on consumerreports.org. You guys found that the cars often didn't park within the lines. You guys drove on autopilot and the system would just ignore exit ramps or drive in the carpool lanes. I even read that autopilot would completely disengage just out of the blue. That's frightening. And when Kelly's team tested these cars, folks, They sometimes drove through stop signs, or the cars would slow down before a green light. So all of this is really bad news, Kelly. But out of all the features you tested, which one needs the most work?
2: Those features are just so new and the population of Tesla owners right now are kind of helping collect data and and help evolve those features. But I would say the Smart summon feature that is one of the features in the full self-driving package has promise but has a very long way to go.
0: And that's the technology that lets you call your car to you. It sounds great, doesn't it? You walk out of the store, you forget where you parked your car, or maybe it's raining, you forgot an umbrella, you just hit your clicker, and then the car drives right up to you. Sounds awesome in theory, but Kelly, you're saying that this feature, well, didn't really work as promised?
2: When we tested it in a parking lot, We found that it would kind of drive erratically, perhaps on the wrong side of the lane. It would cause confusion among pedestrians that were walking in the parking lot. It could stop at random places. It might take a very long route to go all the way around the perimeter instead of a more direct route to where we wanted it to go. And so I think that that one, again, the idea behind it shows promise. It's just not quite there. And most people that play with this or use it a couple of times will probably not find it very useful.
0: That's really good to know. I imagine there's a lot more testing in this features future. Okay, try to say that 10 times. Features future, feature future. Anyway, think twice before you shell out $8,000 for this car's feature. Sure, it's cutting edge. They're cool. Tesla says that every new car it releases has all the hardware needed to be fully autonomous. Sounds Awesome. But as we just heard, Tesla's got a long way to go before the cars truly live up to their names. And of course, there are a lot of other companies working on the same technology. You've got Waymo from Google. You've got Lyft and Uber rushing to perfect their cars. And with all these companies trying to get it right, you can't help but wonder which car is the best money that you can buy. What is the most advanced car out there? If you're super into this tech and you want to own a cutting edge vehicle, what's your best option? Well, we're going to answer all those questions. We're also going to talk more about self-driving cars. How safe are they? When are they coming out? Why exactly is it taking so long? But don't unbuckle your seatbelt just yet. We've got some great stuff coming up you don't want to miss, so stay right where you are. Welcome back to Tech You Should Know. We're hanging out with Kelly Funkhauser, Consumer Reports Head of Connected and Automated Vehicles. She's so smart. This is an incredible topic that we're covering. Tons of big-name companies are rushing to perfect this technology. In fact, we even have many cities popping up to perfect these cars. We already talked about a city set up by a university. But there's another so-called self-driving city right by our studios in Phoenix.
1: In a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, there's a fleet of 600 minivans shuttling people from place to place. Ordering one feels almost exactly like calling an Uber, except for one thing. The vans are driving themselves.
2: It does feel like from when I first got in that it is just a normal car. It's fascinating to be so
0: close to a testing ground for robotic taxis, but who knows when Waymo will finally be done with this testing. Later on, Kelly and I are going to be talking more about when we can expect to see fully self-driving cars hit the market. But for now, we consumers have got to settle for second best. Kelly, I want to know your thoughts on this. We talked about Tesla, but there are a ton of other companies out there releasing highly automated cars. What's the most advanced brand out there? Is Tesla really the most cutting-edge car that you can get?
2: So that is what probably popular belief would say, but I'm actually doing a project right now, and Consumer Parts will be publishing this in a, in a few months, um, where we're kind of stacking up the, the different systems that are available in the market. And some may say it's the most capable. I would say it definitely has the most amount of features and bells and whistles. Um, it's a pretty good job at those two fundamental building blocks of self-driving, which is the adaptive cruise control and lane keeping. But they are not alone in this world anymore. There are many, many cars that are catching up and starting to even surpass them in ways that improve safety in addition to having these capabilities and the performance.
0: Okay, now you have intrigued. Which cars are the furthest along?
2: So there's there's not really one that wins out for both capability and performance and having the safety and safeguards in place. It seems as though a lot of automakers are kind of interested in one or the other. And Tesla could be that number one spot if they were to focus a little bit more on driver monitoring um, and driver engagement. They could really go leaps and bounds above the rest of the market in terms of that. But how they've implemented their system, yes, it performs very well towards the the goal of self-driving, of of keeping the car in the the speed.
0: But it doesn't stand out in terms of safeguards. It needs more precautions in place. sounds to me like Tesla really has a long way to go in that regard, for sure. And drivers have to make sure they're scanning the road as they drive. We really are a long way from being able to read the newspaper while we drive, if in fact we could find the newspaper. I guess I should say a long way from reading our tablet or phone.
2: We're constantly hearing these headlines of of accidents where people are watching a movie or falling asleep in Tesla's with autopilot. And that is by nature because the systems are pretty good. But what's happening as a result of that is that people are getting bored and falling asleep. And so that's why it's so important to look at the safeguards and the safety of these systems in direct comparison to how well they perform.
0: Absolutely. I remember this June accident vividly. It was in Taiwan. A Tesla Model 3 crashed right into an overturned truck on the highway. course, it was on autopilot. I remember the footage. The car was going at least 60 miles per hour, and it rammed straight into the overturned truck. When you're watching the clip, you can't help but wonder, why didn't the driver look up? What was really going on? It seems that this technology can make people feel complacent, and like you said, bored. But it's important to remember, just 10 seconds you spend looking down can take you right into an enormous obstacle. Yeah, you can have faith that your car will be able to brake, if it senses you slowly rolling ahead and you're about to hit a car ahead of you. But if you're zooming down the highway, the car's tech isn't able to save you from crashing. You, the driver, have to be alert. You can't fall asleep or crack open Lord of the Rings or whatever big book that you've been meaning to finish. This tech is like an unpolished gem. It's shiny, it's fascinating, but it's not completed yet. If you're not careful, you could end up like the driver in that video. You look down, and the next thing you know, you're crashing headfirst into an upturned truck. Best case scenario, your Tesla's totaled. Worst case scenario, you die. Honestly, it's a miracle that nobody was injured. I read that the driver refused to go to the hospital. I guess the only thing he hurt was his pride. So, Kelly, I imagine this news might be a blow to some people. After all, it's easy to get swept away in the hype. It's easy to feel like you can pull out your phone and just start watching a show on Netflix. I mean, everyone would love to be able to keep their eyes off the road. I would love to do it if the technology would come out now. I could get so much work done, and I imagine it would make traffic more bearable. But, oh my gosh, get this. The New York Times called traffic a public health issue. The Texas A&M Transportation Institute found that the average American commuter spends 42 hours a year stuck in rush hour traffic. Can you believe that you wasted that much time stressing on the roads? Wouldn't it be incredible if you could spend that same time relaxing in your car? Wouldn't it be great if you could just close your eyes, put on some soothing music and meditate? But we've got to wait for self-driving cars to come out before that dream can become a reality. Kelly, can you give us a timeline? How soon can we start to really trust automated vehicles? Is this a reality we can expect in our near future?
2: No, we're definitely far from that um, in fact, the systems are so new and, um, and have so many issues right now that we should be monitoring them even more right now than becoming comfortable with them because there are so many uncertainties in how they're going to behave and act. And it's really hard to monitor something when it's really boring, but absolutely we should not be pulling out our phone or getting distracted, um, even though it may seem easy to do so. It sure
0: does. So, how far away are we from being able to relax in these cars?
2: I would say we're decades away still, which isn't a very popular opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been saying it for a while, and it it, it just seems as though the technology we need um, isn't quite there. And it's just because there are so many uncertainties in the world, and to be able to predict and uh, create software and hardware to be able to deal with all of those circumstances is really, really difficult. And the time to test all these systems, it's just like creating a a vaccine. You're not going to go and create something and just put it out there without testing. So in order to have enough confidence to put these systems out there, there's got to be a lot of testing done first.
0: Okay. Did you hear that? Even if you're driving in one of Tesla's cutting edge vehicles, do not take your eyes off the road. I know the siren song of a notification sound is so tempting, but you've got to resist. Okay, back to business. Kelly, we spoke about building blocks earlier. Would you say that we are still in that stage?
2: We really are. We're we're still kind of at the bare bottom of developing what these systems should do, and even learning what people want them to do. When we have systems that don't perform according to expectations of drivers, we find that people don't even want to use them. So although we may think that there's a system that's being developed that will help safety, if people find it intrusive or a hindrance to their driving, then people aren't going to use it either. And so we have to study this balance between creating systems that are safe, and finding ways to have drivers use them in a safe way.
0: Safety is a primary concern, but I'd like your opinion on the cars that consumers can buy today. Would you say that automated vehicles are worth the big price tags, because they are expensive, or would you advise consumers to hold off and just wait until the technology is more advanced?
2: I would say that absolutely get a car that has those safety features like automatic emergency braking and blind spot warning. Those features we know are safety features. People like those. But when it comes to the lane keeping and adaptive cruise control systems, if you're not one that wants to go out there and be the tech guinea pig or be the first to adopt or try out a new technology, if you're looking for it to be a safety technology, then I would wait a little bit longer.
0: You've definitely got to weigh the pros and cons. And if you're a tech geek like me, you might want to grab a car like a Tesla, you know, one with all the bells and whistles, even if it's not fully polished. But if you're an average Joe or Jane, you can still get an automated car, like Kelly said. Some of them can, and they do save lives. They won't be as shiny as cool as a car with more features and a big tablet, but you still have some pretty neat bragging rights. Kelly, you spoke a lot about the fact that fully self-driving cars aren't quite out yet. That story I described earlier about seeing driverless cars just drive by could be a reality in, say, a decade, but it likely won't happen in the next five years. My main takeaway is that safety is the biggest obstacle. Can you tell us a little bit more about the techie side of this issue? Why has it become so difficult?
2: Yeah, that just shows some of the complexity that goes into um, programming the software. So sometimes when I'm out testing, the automatic emergency braking will activate when there's a shadow or a crease in the pavement or a tar line on the road. And this is because the system is seeing that and interpreting it as an object that is potentially going to cause a collision. And so it's actually operating according to how it's been programmed, which is to apply automatic emergency braking to avoid a collision. It's just misinterpreting that signal or misinterpreting what it's seeing. And so it seems as though it's failing. And so that's the tricky part, is that it's actually doing what it's supposed to do, but it's so hard to get the software right.
0: I can understand that. I mean, to make sure that the car's eyes work properly. When you talk about the car seeing, so to speak, obviously that's using LIDAR.
2: So LIDAR is one of the sensors that is being tested on some of the more advanced vehicles like the Ubers and the Waymos and the vehicles that are really aiming towards the full self-driving and um, driverless type of system. What we see on consumer-level vehicles are definitely the regular vision cameras that we know and we have on our phones. We see radars, which is very common for measuring distance to help with that speed adaptive cruise control. And we also see some ultrasonic and sonar sensors that help with proximity while parking and for blind spot warning. We don't see the LiDAR as much on consumer-available vehicles. and um, It's still a little bit expensive. But one of the promising technologies that I would keep keep an eye out for is thermal imaging, which we see a lot of promise in for helping helping with pedestrian detection and some of the automatic emergency braking systems as well.
0: There has been a lot of talk about thermal imaging. Some say it's the key to self-driving cars succeeding. These cars all need sensors to accurately detect objects around them. We've got video imaging, radar, and LIDAR. But thermal sensing, it's still pretty unique. It specifically identifies different materials. And I'm just not talking about humans versus animals. Since each material has unique characteristics, thermal sensing can see cracks, potholes, and other obstacles. Plus, it's been used in military and aviation for so many years. That means, well, it's a proven technology that can work well for the masses. Kelly, besides thermal imaging, are there any new technologies, features that you're excited to see?
2: Yeah, the one technology that I'm most excited for and think the industry can really uh, benefit the most from is driver monitoring systems. And cameras are kind of a common technology that we see where it's looking at the driver to see if your eyes are open or if you're falling asleep Um, but you can also use infrared um, and other technologies to ensure that the driver isn't falling asleep that they aren't becoming distracted um, and that they're engaged with the car and these have a lot of benefit not only when you're using them with some of these automated driving systems but just in general you know they can be safety systems if If your teen hops in the car, you kind of want to keep them, uh, their eyes looking forward and not looking at their phone. And so these driver monitoring systems are something that we're definitely keeping our eyes on.
0: That makes sense that driver monitoring would work that way. At the same time, I imagine it could bother drivers. You might feel like big brothers watching you, but it all ties back to that one important word, safety. And personally, I feel like it's better to be monitored than to be a risky driver I can't tell you how many drivers I see on their phones, putting on their makeup, you know what I'm talking about, or they're stuck at a light because they're texting. I see people of all ages with their heads bent down. And when I go online, I see videos of people in their cars bent down, talking on their phone or talking to their phone or responding to a text or what have you. It's just ridiculous. The other day, I saw a guy giving an inspirational TikTok speech about living life to the fullest in his car, of course. At one point, he turned into an intersection. Well, let me tell you, I sure didn't hear the ticking of his turn signal. So suffice to say, there are so many dangerous driving habits all over the states and distracted driving. Here in Arizona, where we actually broadcast from, you can't drive on a Friday night without seeing two cars drag racing at 100 miles per hour down the street. They'll be zipping around lanes, cutting other cars off, acting crazy for just a thrill. Imagine how driver monitoring systems could change that imagine how many lives would be saved if we could put a curb on all this reckless behavior and distracted driving it's hard not to get emotional when you think about automated cars you've got the thrill of a new technology but there's also the hope that things can get better of course there's also the worry that things could get worse that's why i'm so happy that you joined us here on the podcast kelly it's reassuring to know that people like you and your team at consumer reports are testing these cars and you're really making sure that whatever the car manufacturers are promising that they deliver and telling us whether or not the cars are truly
2: safe. That's my hope. (laughs) That's why we're here is to make sure they're doing it that way.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Kelly. It was so super to have you here.
2: No problem. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: So what do you think? Are you excited to see how this technology evolves? In the next five years, we can expect them to be connected like never before. After all, everything in our life is becoming part of this Internet of Things, and smart cities are just a part of that. Remember the cities I mentioned earlier? Self-driving cars are just a small part of it. There are tons of intelligent movers and shakers who are shaping our future. I mean, coming with 5G, we have our tires that are going to be talking to each other. Fully autonomous vehicles may be a few decades away, but there's still some incredible technology in the works from Elon Musk's Neuralink brain chip to robotic cattle dogs, technology is growing faster than ever before. One of the best ways to stay up to date on the latest in tech is by joining us over at the Commando Community. You get access to the Kim Commando Show podcast as well as my shows. We bring you the most comprehensive and important news tips and secrets about everything digital. Plus, Becoming an exclusive Commando Community member helps us create more episodes on the Tech You Should Know podcast and our radio shows, where we talk to movers and shakers in the digital age. You get all these great resources for just a few dollars a month, and you get a 30-day free trial over at GetKim.com. After that, you can even get a discount if you're a senior military vet or service personnel. Now, I want to thank Kelly both for coming on the show and for doing such great work. And I also want to thank our producers, Mike James and Cassidy Taylor. They do some awesome work behind the scenes. And thanks to Serena O'Sullivan, our producer and scriptwriter, for making this episode happen. And finally, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with someone else or wherever you get your podcast. Give us a great five-star review and write something nice, too, because that's how you get to the top of the charts, and that's how people find podcasts. They really just look at the top charts. So if you gave us a nice five-star and if you wrote us a nice review, um, I'm going to give you just a huge gold star. And I'm Kim Commando, and thank you for supporting our small business and our programming. Really, really appreciate it.